welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, webheads, along with Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Bassett, welcome to Sports Carnage. Round 72, right? 72. Uh, we had one live sporting event that happened since we last spoke with y'all, and so that has to take precedence over all the games I got lined up for tonight. We had the match, round two. Last year, it's Phil and Tiger. Just Phil and Tiger. Phil took down Tiger, won himself $9 bucks. Good job, Lefty. This year, got a little special twist, and it's a twist that I hope they keep going for years to come because along with Phil and Tiger... We had two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time join them, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And the shock of everyone in the golf world, myself included, was that it wasn't Tom Brady with Tiger Woods. You figured they'd put goat with goat, you know, guys with one more. They did. Versus they did put goat Peyton with goat. and Phil. In- instead, right. you got Tiger and Peyton. Why are we trying to derail this cast already? AJ <laughs> just has a pension. For watching the world burn. No, give me. Hey, we'll see if Tom's good outside of Belichick system this season. Uh, All right, but you can't yeah. argue, AJ. One's got six Super Bowls. Yeah, one's got two. One's got fifteen majors. It's, one's it's got a, whatever. Don't, don't, I was told championship. Don't don't worry. It. If if fifty fifty year old Tom Brady falls fat, flat on his face, that will completely undermine everything he's ever done. No, absolutely. I'm just saying, it, you know, yep. Peyton did it with two organizations. Because fifty year old Peyton. Did no, fifty year old Peyton didn't do shit. He won two, a Super Bowl with two different Super organizations. Bowl. His last his, his last Super Bowl was a joke. He won it. That's you could have you you could have quarterbacked well, that team to a Super yeah. Bowl. He wanted about as much uh, as he, Steve he Kerr didn't. won his five championships. Hey, hold on. Well, no, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr contributed way more. Hey, Peyton way contributed more. a little bit that season. Put it this way, like Steve Kerr did. It, we know how Brock's we know how Brock's career turned out, and he would have <laughs> won that Super Bowl and probably put up more points. Yeah, that Denver defense was damn good, oh, yeah. and Peyton is very lucky that. Patriots team was and listen, decimated by injuries. I don't I don't want to knock Peyton. So the reason Peyton's career fell off so hard is that his neck, neck surgery like caught a up question with him. Mark? It, 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 his his he was not going to be able to keep spinning the ball with his neck the way it was and it was a miracle that he came back as strong as he did right. and that he played as long as he did. But you saw it the year prior when at the end of the season he kind of fell off and then that year, oh my god, it was so bad. Like I honestly, yeah, there's no way. Drop off. There is was, no way yeah. in the universe I, I would have went back to Peyton. Yeah, that, like that cliff that Max Kellerman's been saying is coming for Brady for the last ten years. Peyton hit that cliff as hard as you possibly. But could. let's you know also, but thing? let's also be like honest about the way that they seem to train in the off season. Like Tom seems to be in like tip top shape. Really like takes care of himself. I'm not saying oh, Peyton yeah. didn't. Peyton's down in the South hunting out. Yeah, I didn't say that years. he did he that. He sleeps but... in those goddamn Walt Disney channels. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. Peyton, I just, you know. To be fair, though, Peyton was a lot more naturally gifted than Brady. So he didn't need to put in. A smarter, a better golfer. Stop. Better hold up, hold up. He has been golfing retired for five years. Yeah. Tom Brady is literally trying to break in a new offense in yeah. team. But, 
We need two of the match itself, though. I watched I mean, that man golf this I think weekend. They Tom got Brady the parents, is right. not a good golfer. I don't care what any no. of his yes men say. No. You don't think so? Yeah, it is. They only, they only won by one stroke. You put the better golfer with the worst what, golfer. One hole, I guess. All right. Let's get back on track. So this past weekend was the match part two. And what I was trying to get to before we got completely derailed is halfway through the match, not even, I realized why they paired it up the way they did. If you're looking for a talker between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, it's Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah. If you are looking for a talker between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, it's Phil Mickelson. So having two talkers on one team and two sourpuss, intense-as-all-hell guys on the other team <laughs> is not nearly as much fun as having one from each side. And I'm That's not going to say that Tiger and Brady didn't do their fair share because they did, and it was hilarious when they did. But if you looked at who did the majority of the talking between the two teams... It was definitely Peyton for his team with Tiger, and it was definitely Phil for his team with Brady. Yeah. But nonetheless, 100%. We had, I honestly, yeah. you don't need balance there. I would have liked the contrast of Tiger and Brady, and they kind of let their game do the talk. It's not about you. It's about the masses. Yeah, it's nah. about viewership. And the masses Ty want Tiger that. wasn't going to talk with Brady as his teammate and, and with them losing and him chucking things on every and, hole. Uh, I, that's why I did like the pairings, though, even from like the time they announced it. I thought the pairings made sense. Because of the the talk factor, and my favorite part about what Tiger Woods did with his talking is like it's so it's it's more subtle than really Phil's, Peyton's, or even Brady's for that matter. But it's like the most it's like the the sharpest um, of them all, and not sharp as in like witty, but like it's meant to oh, actually yeah. dig in deep. Because that's who Tiger is, and that's like who he's when, been like his when whole Peyton career. Was talking. It was just like it was like BSing, like you just you know you'd say when we're playing playing poker yeah. or on the podcast or something, but like when Tiger did it, like he wanted you to feel it, he wanted you to feel yeah. it in your soul. But he's done that. Yeah. I mean, he's not Tiger's never been and never will be the life of the party, right? No, he's, but he has gotten a heck of a lot ha softer. He has gotten a lot softer, but like his his center of attention is winning majors. He's not going to be the guy that rises up in a crowd and, like, makes everybody look at him to, through his talking and his joking because, like, his, he wasn't raised that way. His dad, like, he, if you watch him talk, no, he he's, was raised like, to dominate. He was, he, yeah, he was, but he's also, like, in social settings, a very awkward person. Like, well, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a golfing nerd. He is, and that's all, like, that's all he is. So, like, I, I, I 100%, like, see the... <laughs> the need to pair somebody like Peyton, who's this off shucks, you know, good old country boy, with someone like was, Tiger Woods. Yeah, and Peyton's had plenty of of training and experience for camera over his years. Right. You know, you watch his earlier commercials. You know, they weren't all that great, and then he started getting actually really funny in his commercials, and he got better with a microphone, better on camera, and you saw that kind of progress throughout his years in the NFL. And I even like that Peyton's and, places on. ESPN. Oh yeah, like that's really good. No, there, I mean you can see why. I think I think Ryan, you said this right, like at the beginning of the match when you were watching it. But you can see yeah. why NBC and them are offering like twenty million dollars a year for his services. Yeah, he's he's so good. He's <laughs> like quick witted and funny, and he knows how to kind of bring everybody into yeah. the conversation. Like he wasn't only you know talking trash to Brady; he was also doing it to right. Phil. 
but the trash he was talking to Brady was something that everybody could, everybody that cared and watched it and knew who Tom Brady was, they could easily identify that's why I said that. Right, like he had the dig about if I could bring yeah. a caddy, it was going to be either Eli, who obviously beat Brady in two Super Bowls, Nick Foles, who did, or Bill Belichick, who beat <laughs> Brady, just had you know a quote unquote which breakup, was which was that's hilarious, right? And it's it's like really funny, and it's so it's so easily, um, it's just so easily recognizable that everybody can be into it. It doesn't have to be like super you know complex, and you have to dig into. But then he. Meant. Like it's all very, it's all very surface level. And but right then there and he so even far. like went a step farther when he talked about. Yeah, I was talking to Tom too, and he said he'd just call up Gronk and you know tell him to go wrestle and then take a year off football and then come join him in Tampa Bay. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Yeah, and I mean like Tom had some Eli digs too. I think Peyton missed a putt, and he's just like Eli would have made that. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm sure Peyton and Eli have been compared to each other, you know, their their entire oh, yeah. lives, right? Not good for Eli. Yeah, it is fun all around. I enjoyed the the trash talk and um, the another thing that's cool that we're not gonna see again, even from from like an actual golf tournament. If they do the match, which I know uh, Phil is definitely you know all about, is probably the most publicity that he gets in the year. Um, but it also seems like he has fun doing it. Is when uh, Tom Brady was, I think he was going for um, like a chip in uh you know he's right off the green and phil was explaining to him like he want to hit it like this because x y and z and he was just kind of breaking down the the psychology of here's where you want to hit this shot and why because the greens are at that time it had been raining so he's like no the greens are a little uh are a little uh harder you know it's not going to roll as much so you want to do blank 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 and that stuff is really cool for something like the match where you're able to kind of explain your shot not only to you know your partner but to the audience watching at home as well who's never going to get that type of golf lesson you know from somebody like Bill Mickelson and obviously you couldn't do it in a tournament because these guys are so focused and they're trying to actually win but for a thing like the match where it's just you know the the scramble play between uh, you know between four dudes you could always do that, and it's uh, it's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love I, it. I I think they need that in real tournaments. I agree, hundred percent. Like, but that, that's what I think. How makes... would you do it though? Like like I would love it, but it would be it'd be so difficult to try and take yeah. one of these guys out of trying to yeah. win the Masters, and now you have to explain your shot and, to you know Bob. And Cotton that's what I think is that's what I think is so appealing to this format, like you're saying, Ryan. Because how many like amateur golf fans? Like the the one of the things about golf that I was taught when I was learning in college, uh, I had this buddy that was teaching me, and he said, "Look, like I can give you like certain fundamentals, like grip, and like certain things you should do on chipping, but you need to just like watch tournaments and try and like mimic what they do. It's a lot easier to mimic what they do, like rotation stuff like that, if you understand like their mindset behind it. So for like, and not just that, but." When, why they do things yeah. when they do. Why do they so, hit a high flop shot instead of hitting a little low runner? Like all that kind of. So your your average golfer, like no, no I, let me take that back. You're above average golfer that golfs regularly and can hit a ball, strike a ball consistently. He's hitting nice iron shots constantly. But what separates him, but between a guy like on the PGA Tour, besides distance and consistency, it's all the special shots they hit. The fact that they can shape their shots. The fact that if there's a little wind blowing, that they're going to hit it lower and get get the same kind of shot out of it. The the way that 
Phil shot, I think it was, I'm trying to think of the shot Phil had around the green. He had just such an awesome bump and run that he hit just in front of the green on mm-hmm. the fringe of the green to bounce. It was it was like so perfect. And it was such a tough shot because it was partway uphill. He's got to keep it low enough that it's not going to fly the green. But he's got to hit it high enough to get up the hill, still bounce with soft enough to hit the fringe, not roll way past the flag stick. Like those kind of shots, that's what makes the pros pros. And for them to explain to you what they're and doing, how, why they're yeah. doing it, and how they're doing yeah. it, how engaging that is, that's something that is something that golf can use to appeal to the masses because that's something other live sports cannot offer. But I like don't think you can really do cannot, that in tournament play. See, I think you can, and this is why. And I will point to the quality of play that we've seen with these guys playing. So – so much of golf, especially well at that level, pretty much entirely, because they can hit any shot. It's mental. It's so much mental, and I think them doing that puts them in a far more relaxed state. And you can say, yeah, they're relaxed because there's not much at stake, and they're they're not competing against a field of pros. Sure, but hey, look at how much fun everyone had. Yet they played great golf. Tiger hit every fairway. When is the last time you've seen Tiger hit every fairway with his drive? He was using okay, his driver say, on with, every with hole. With his man. driver, he was using. It's not like he was hitting irons <laughs> yeah. off the tee. He was using his driver every hole, crushing it down the center of the fairway. He hit every single fairway. Pros don't do that. The Pros last do time, not do that. the last time he did that was across the pond in the British Open. But he I mean, only, he didn't do that when he won the Masters. He, he missed he missed two fairways yeah, all week, and the only two fairways he missed that week were when he hit driver. I, like you're you're so tense the entire time, especially if you're trying to like climb up the board. Maybe if you have a five stroke lead, which rarely happens as the the leader leader, um, you could do it because you might not be so worried about. No, a five stroke lead is not <laughs> that you, safe. You Spieth, Kepka, and somebody else, and you're you're all one shot apart. I don't even care if it's like not the Masters, if it's just a regular tournament. Like you're about to tell this Justin Thomas to to go f himself if he's so like, it, hey, explain yeah. what you're doing. I don't know here. how much regular. You probably watch the Masters and that's it, or whenever Tiger's contending. But how much golf you watch, I don't know. When you watch these players play, they get so tightly wound up. They're not relaxed. That leads to mistakes. I think if they can step back and, and kind of step them talking about what they're doing, I think honestly would relax them a little bit. I I don't think it would. I do not think it would negatively right. impact their game. That, that yeah, I do I, not think it would negatively. I I, I I see what you're saying, and I don't think that I disagree necessarily. I tell you but I think that there's sure. a little bit too like there's too many logistics. I think that go into it like. When when Brady hold out that was it a birdie that he hold out from the fairway? Yeah, yeah, from yeah. The buck like he hit that, and then like the mic packs falling off, and like so imagine like trying to to and, and I mean he, the mic pack fell off and he ripped his pants right, so like you have all that going on, and you're still trying to contend for a tournament. So like you know Paul, and I mean you've p- probably played. I, I don't know about Matt, and I don't think Ryan, but 
you probably played the most competitive golf out of any of us. Like no, Matt has for sure. No, Matt. Matt isn't. Matt is an incredible golfer, and he could have played in college if he stopped. Okay, so okay, okay. not have played in college, but I am a single digit. That's hand. not okay, true. So, stop. So, stop. In right Arizona, there. I that could is not. not in Arizona, I could not. NFL size football, so he wasn't allowed on. <laughs> Matt, so so in Arizona, I could not play for college. Arizona had one of the top twenty-five programs in the country. You know that, like in competitive but golf, it, okay. you're trying to get as many thought processes out of your head as you can. Because the whole key of golf is controlling your mind, right? And so well, if you so can yes get, and no. Well, but I know that so when no, I... So no, this is where... No, no, no. So let me... It will make sense. Don't laugh. So you, when you say you're trying to get as much thought process out of your mind, it's specifically thought process about your swing. Because when you start thinking about the parts of your swing is when it all falls apart. But I even think that goes a step further, too, in the type of shot that you're going to hit and the ways you're going to play a hole. That's why you always hear pros talk about, I got to commit, right? Because they make a decision and they go. The moment you keep thinking about that decision afterwards, then you're now... Well, yeah, you can't second guess yourself. That's what I'm saying. So, like, so adding then even more, um, like, logistical aspects to that, um, you know, how are they going to know, like, unless they're just keeping, like, a hot mic on them and, like, they're saying, like, they're not going to wear an earpiece so the producer can go, hey... You know, uh, Brooks, why don't you go ahead and explain to us how you're going to hit this chip shot here? Like Charles Barkley in their ear. Yeah, like, I, I, I think that I, I agree with you in the fact that I think there's a loosening up aspect of it. But then what happens when they start talking about that shot and then in the midway they're like, oh, I don't know, this is going to work, right? Like, okay. I, like then they start second guessing. Like, yeah, if, now yeah, they're talking themselves would... out of it more than they are committing to Listen, it. If you, if you tell the audience yeah, what you're going to do and why... You are full commit. You have you have to follow through at that point. It will help. Them. Yeah, and then what they happens? Have no when other choice. You can hit the ball, and they would they would be. They have no other choice. But, all right, here is how it works. This is the way that it could work. That it could actually work and be entertaining at the same time. Oh, I was going to do this, but you can do it first. Motherfucker, we talking about golf, and I haven't said a word. <laughs> That's your own fault. <laughs> all four of us go play so golf right now. I gave, I'll put a thousand dollars and I'm walking away victorious. In the world. <laughs> anyway. The way it works is you get to the Sunday at the Masters or the U.S. Open or whatever, and you have a guy like like Jim Furyk or a Bubba Watson who is 12 strokes out and has no chance of winning, and they already have millions upon millions of dollars. And you talk to them before and say, on these holes, you know, around the green or whatever, would you mind talking to us about what you're going to be doing? And I guarantee you, you will get enough big-name golfers – to take time out of their round to explain the shot they are about to hit, what they are trying to do, and why they are trying to do but, it. Because they are out of the tournament. There's no way they're so getting the drawback back into to the that, tournament though. for a win. The drawback to that, though, that, that it, makes, it, it, it makes 100% sense. Like I think that's a great idea. The problem is if they're that far back, they're not in the, the slot to watch. So you're going to have to be going... You know, there's a lot of production that's going to be taken. Oh, they, that. they absolutely are. They're just, right, they just me, happen uh, to be on a hole 15 the, the other while part Tiger and them are on hole 3. Harder. The, uh, the other part that I think is harder to do that with is in it's kind of the, the Monday morning quarterback syndrome where somebody's 12 shots out. I think people will look at him like, oh, I'm not going to listen to him. That's why I'm saying you use like, the big Even though he's a guys. professional golfer. So let me but. let me fix this for you. <laughs> like, oh, so Matt, guys, they will listen to. What Matt, listen? you are entirely on the right track, and let me take it a step further to how this could actually work. Period. Full stop. At all points of the tournament. 
you said some keywords there. You are going to find enough guys willing to do this. But I think you're not going to have enough pro any problems finding enough guys to do it the entire tournament, especially the lower tier guys, especially if you incentivize it with monetary reimbursement. Now, yeah. so think of this. So maybe Tiger Woods doesn't want to do it. But you know what? That's okay. Because the audience wants to see every Tiger Woods shot, no matter what. They don't care if he's talking. They want to see every stroke that Tiger Woods makes on the golf yeah. course, and that's fine. Yeah. But if you can mix in the guys that are in contention, the elite names that people want to and must see, yeah. with all of the guys competing that are willing to be mic'd up, Ryan Moore. Think, of yeah. your, think of your production now. You are literally bouncing shot to shot to someone either being awesome with the audience or an elite name or someone in top tier contention. You're hitting all of it. From a production standpoint, I, I just don't think you get anyone in contention. But that's fine. Well, you might you get you might get somebody and in I contention on on like not, a Friday but then, or but then Saturday. I, I think you eventually will because as people get used to it and the stigma wears off, I don't think it will be as big of a deal. And I think there are plenty of engaging golfers that also are really good. I mean, you're telling me you couldn't see Dustin Johnson doing no, it? Not not not. I, like, like Brooks Kepka doesn't even like, like listen, so, so Kepka, Kepka, no. I don't Kepka's I don't think to answer that question Paul like I, I I agree with you like it the people in contention you probably would be more apt to get them on like a Saturday but if you're talking like let's use the Masters as an example because it's the penultimate golf tournament but they don't have to at all I know but let me but let me just explain to you right like my what I'm thinking yeah, I got like, you. You might be able to get somebody in. Let's say that uh, Justin Rose, right? He seems like he seems like a guy that interacts. Like he's very cordial, like nice guy. He'd probably be willing to. Let's say he's leading the Masters by one shot on Saturday, and he's coming into hole eight, the par five at Augusta, right? There's, there's probably is that is that like true? What? Did you have that like the course memorized? I could probably go hole by hole. Like is eight a part five? Oh so God. there's one so part five. That's a whole. There's podcast one part five no, on the. Ryan, on, if you if Augusta. you are big into golf, like there are certain courses where you, you just know. Holes. He just told you he could go hole by hole. There's Can only hole by there's hole only eighteen holes. I mean, I I, I, I said I could probably like, I know one is I I could go like by the par like one. Like name the starting quarterbacks for the Lions the last eighteen years. You might not be able to do. It. No, probably not. We've had a lot before. But, just but I also I also Joey have Harrington, invested Charlie Batch. I also have invested a lot more time into golf since college. Like I I like to baseball, golf is my second sport that I keep up with. Um and then football would follow that. So what I'm saying is let's say Justin Rose is leading by one on the par five eighth, right? On Saturday you're probably likely to get him to be able to talk you through one shot. But if you move him to, you know, the the par 5 15th, the par 3 16th, and then the two par 4s 17 and 18 to end the tournament on Sunday and he's leading by one, there's not a chance he's talking to anybody. So you say there's not a chance. I think eventually that stigma will wear I off. Don't. But even if even if you're correct, that doesn't really matter. So the thing is, and let's not overthink this, there's not enough time in the broadcast for constant talking. Like, you can't 
All these players can explain to you their shot every time the way Phil was doing. By the way, Phil's a great example. You think Phil wouldn't be down for this? Are you kidding me? Phil would absolutely do this. Oh, yeah, Phil would. I, I, I don't know that he would. In a oh, I, Phil I think would. I think he would do it, one, to grow the game, two, because he has nothing to prove except for winning a U.S. Open. So in any other tournament, except for maybe the Masters, Oh, that, that was you, another funny joke. Tiger said, look at my U.S. <laughs> Open trophy. Oh, you, I feel like that. Phil was like, well. <laughs> Phil screwed himself when he hit that driver back at Wingfoot. But anyway. Um, it, was yep. the, it was that metal, but yeah. So anyway, so I I think Phil would won as like an ambassadorship to like kind of like pilot the program a little bit, except for like in the U.S. Open. Like, I mean, my because he's Because is, before he's a golfer, Phil's a showman. Like, have you seen his, like, was it uh, Fireside, but, like, PH Fireside chats on Twitter? I mean, just watch the match. Yeah, I know. I know. He's a showman, and he's really good at it, too. So He's fantastic. Like, he said, what was that thing that you said, like, I I had the coffee, now i got to activate the calves and really step up on this. (laughs) And Tiger goes, that's what I have to hear every time we freaking play together. (laughs) (laughs) So I one thing I don't <laughs> the, want the tiger hitting the fairway inside. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Tis into the woods and Peyton and Peyton and, and Tiger just smashes one right. But down see, the that's middle. the thing. And like, like oh. but see, that's the thing though. Like Tiger, Tiger grew up <laughs> idolizing MJ, right? And I know that Paul's gonna scoff at this, but like MJ is probably one of the better trash talkers in the history of basketball. So, oh, so absolutely. He destroyed and and like Tiger's literally the best golfer that's ever lived. So he's just cocky about it, right? Like, and it's just that little jab trash talk that's like you're like, damn, you're right. <laughs> like you're hey, Tiger's on. Point you're good. Again, Charles Barkley announcing was great too. See, Charles Barkley in anything is, is great. great, but him being and involved, like the, the fact he, that he was in there in in their ear, like Brady telling them, like, shut up, <laughs> like, shut up, Edric, <laughs> uh, hold it. Listen, you hold out Suck from a buck that, thirty. Chuck. You hold out from a buck thirty. You can say whatever you want for the rest of ever. Hundred percent true. Such a, uh, it's so good. You, what do you mean it's not true? I said it's a hundred percent true because oh, I, I, I know. Just, I, was I, like, what are you I said about? I know the feeling. Like, I know the feeling. Nice flex. You like that flex? Right. AJ's I'm, like, yeah, I was no, from 140, no. but yeah. 132, a little smooth good. pitching wedge. Jarred it. Pitch. Uh-huh. Two, two yards better than the GOAT. Well, I don't I don't know the exact distance. No. It was around. It was around. It's, it's the second time in my life it's ever okay. happened, so. All right, let Matt talk. Sorry, Matt. Oh, only the Gentlemen, second time. Gentlemen, I've had, okay, I've had a I few uh, Jefferson whiskeys, so I'm a little loose. You're gonna have to excuse me. I've, yeah, AJ's only had three hole in ones. I've never so had a hole in one. Pad never had a AJ one. has AJ has almost as many hole in ones as he does gold gloves, which is zero. I, I I've had two hole in ones. Oh well. And look, let's be honest. Like hole in ones are as lucky as as, but but well, yeah, you awesome. hit a you hit a pin high shot at the flag and hope it bounces right. I the closest and I've ever come is a ball mark, literally a half like an that. inch from the cup, and. It ended up being like a five foot putt for birdie. I have hit. I've hit a flag stick. As oh, I'd say you should blow blue. I've one. hit a flag stick and it dropped within a foot. Yeah, that's a close up. Come. 
I've, I've right, pulled out twice, though, from the fairway. Off the entire green. Well, it's wild things can happen. Sometimes it drops straight down. Sometimes it ricochets 30 yeah, yards off. It's like, not, it's you never know. wild stuff you can happen. I've hit, hit probably... You don't want to hit the pin. I was chipping onto the green. I've hit probably bat. half a dozen flag sticks with, like, an actual club. I, I, chi I actually did. It wasn't a chip. Um, but I did hit one in off the flag stick. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. We're bragging, and you're better than us. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Who the hell are Who you? Who won the match? No, sorry. I'll leave you alone. Tiger and Pete. Matt, where is the spreadsheet? The team with the Where's the spreadsheet of points? What spreadsheet of it's points? It's in his mind. For who like, the hell are you? Mind, so it's not is it anyway, man? The points are made up and they don't matter. <laughs> no idea. I know this much. I know Ryan's winning. <laughs> that much I and know. And AJ's in I'll last place. I'll get you your points eventually. Probably. Oh, no, I, I know I but I think, But I think it's closer as, than as you think. As long as we keep that mentality going forward. I think there's a good size gap for Ryan being in first place, and Paul is in second, but not by that I much. I a little bit either. closed the gap last week. I had a good week last week. Maybe. Yeah, but I think... So we only got two of them this week. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We'll find, we'll find out. out. I'll have to, I have to do the actual adding. I will do that sometime soon. So, Ryan, then Paul, then AJ. Steals are allowed after person can't figure out who to And points are, if we steal, it's half a point? Half or a third. We'll decide that later. Okay. Half a point. A third. We're doing half a point. You ain't making my life that much harder with Matt. It's Marty, not everything hard. Else. I'm already doing everything else one, for this damn podcast. Of a Can we actually make it Holy 170 seconds? I a One third makes sense since there's three of us, but whatever. All right, Ryan. <clears throat> So, you know, we're running out of bigger names, so we're getting to some of the smaller names right now. We are not running out of bigger names. There is literally that are not of That are not obvious? Yes. The, the obvious ones I could still use, but I'm trying not to. So, Ryan, this four-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, one-time All-Defense, one-time All-Rookie, played with Kevin Garnett, Allen Houston, and Patrick Ewan. Charles Sprewell? You son of oh a bitch! Oh my gosh. What? How the hell did you what? get that in under 10 seconds? Dang. So, I, 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 it, it, it wasn't cheating. Um, I was listening to the Rasulo and Bill Simmons pod this week, and they talked a lot about Latrell Sprewell. No, it was all the smoke, because they were talking about, like, tough guys to guard, um, and they talked a lot about Latrell I don't care that was so good. what information you garnered so, from yeah. that. That is the best it, pull anyone it, will ever it, have. It, it jogged, jogged my memory that he played um, that he played with Allen Houston, because I talked about him a little bit, too. Uh, and then Kevin My guess would have been Stephon Marbury. I don't... It's funny, so when Matt said we're running out of big names, I was about to say, like, oh, Stephon Marbury is a joke. <laughs> like still kind of I don't know who that person is. Latrell Sprewell? Sprewell? Yes. He choked, he choked P.J. Carlissimo. He, remember when I said, like, yeah. early 2000s? He, his career ended in 2005. Matt, did you give me, like, a early historical defense, one? Though. That's crazy. Yes, I did, AJ. Yeah, I hope I don't. God make a dang, that's amazing. Guy. That was awesome. Yeah, that was incredible. That was awesome. I fucking hate you. That's stupid. <laughs> I would have never, ever, right. ever got that ever. <laughs> Paul, I'm so mad right now. I'm mad. I'm, 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 I'm mad. pissed. <laughs> All right, Paul. That's like I had him. I had. I knew I had. Like, him. Right? Like I had this motherfucker. Nope. <laughs> you thought the quickest one, like ever. 
It took him longer. No, to guess. it wasn't. No, no, no. He had one quicker last week, but that's still under ten seconds. Is ridiculous. Well, Barry for being the No, you one had. Uh, yeah, you was. got. You got Amari Stoudemire pretty quick last week. No, it wasn't Amari. No, I didn't get Amari. Amari no, didn't I, get. I got. I got Barry Bonds after the question was. I asked. think I got Amari. That's a joke. Before the question was asked. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I, I Barry I Bonds, to... and then Matt just laughed uncomfortably and asked you the question. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hang on, who what? No, I can't open that. That's when you gotta scrap that for another week. Uh, all right, Matt, hit me. All right, Paul. This. God, I don't even want to follow that up. I'm so mad. I'm, I'm placing all bets that Ryan's the one who gets this, just for the record. Oh fuck you. <laughs> this three-time Pro Bowler, one-time Rookie of the Year, a Walter Payton Man of the Year winner, and a Super Bowl champion, has played with Emmett Smith. You know who he is, right? I do. He's a fraud, <laughs> okay, but yes. Kurt Warner and Joe Flacco. Oh, I know. I think I know. What? Read him again. Three-time Pro Bowler. Okay. One-time Rookie of the Year, obviously. You can only win it once. Walter Payton, oh, Man of the God. Year. One-time Super Bowl champion. Played with Emmett Smith, Kurt Warner, and Joe Flacco. Oh. Yeah, this makes sense. I don't... Ryan's already got it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got it. I know you got it. I don't even need a question. I, like, I know you got it. 30 seconds, Paul. I'm trying to think of when he would have played with. <sighs> yeah, it's good shit. We got guys that played on multiple teams. Yeah. You said Warner. Joe Flacco is really ten seconds, me off, dude. Five, four, three, two, one. Need an answer. Ryan, steal it. Anquan Bolden? Yes, sir. God, I see, I thought about guessing him. When did he play with Emmett Smith? In uh, Arizona. His year with Arizona. Man, I should have I was. Not, I should have just thrown that out there. Might have been his second I, year with Arizona. I'm surprised he only made three Pro Bowls. I know, right? That boy was a beast. So in two and questions, Ryan has one and a half points. Don't get me started points. on it. He's even good with the Don't, don't get me started on Anquan. It's overrated. Anquan is, Anquan is the god dang Frank Gore of receivers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> move on. Just move on, please. <laughs> AJ. Nice, God, nice so deal, mad. Ryan. I could have had that too. I should have just guessed I, it, but I was I like, I told ah, you. I didn't think money he was played Ryan with, to when it. did he play with Emmett Smith? In Arizona. His Arizona. Why did Emmett Smith play in Arizona? Because the Cowboys he refused to went to the Cardinals after him. the Cowboys. Yeah. God, that's what I should have. Jones finally said no. I should. I knew it. I knew we had played with two, but I should have just guessed. I'm so mad at myself. That was stupid not to guess. God dang it, man! I knew it. That is my usual strategy. If I don't know if they played with a third one, I'll take the two. Right? <laughs> yeah, just take the guess. I should have. That was stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm so mad now. Give me my other one. All right, AJ. I played with them though. <clears throat> this twelve-time Gold Glover. Two-time MVP and World Series champion has played with Orlando Cepeda, Gaylord Perry, and Tom Seaver. Oh, man. Sure. Say it again. Orlando Cepeda, Gaylord Perry, and Tom Seaver. 
Oh, I forgot to mention, he's also a 24-time All-Star. What? That's only like two people, probably. Did you say how many All-Stars? 24. 24. Uh, Quarter-century All-Star. Uh, One-time World Series champion or multiple? Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to get Okay, that's the, fine. That's fine. Players? You, you basically just answered my question anyway. Uh, we're the three Orlando players. Hey, my guess is my guess is Yogi Berra. Eh. Oh. Is it Cal Ripley no. Jr.? These no. guys played in the sixties. Well, I don't know who I don't know who any of these players are. May. Well, I, I know because both are so. Cepeda. But somebody has a twenty-four time. Cepeda is Willie Mays. Cepeda played with them on the Giants. Did they? They all didn't play with them on the Giants, though, because he went to the no, Mets and played with Seaver. Yep. He played with Cepeda. I uh, had. I just picked the year fifty-eight. Gaylord Perry sixty-five. Both in San Francisco at that point, obviously. Yeah. And Tom Seaver. So I thought. I thought. I didn't know the other teams that Cepeda played Willie for. Mays played for the yeah, he in later yeah, in his Willie, career. Yeah, he ended his career. I didn't know, but I knew Cepeda played so, for the Cardinals, and I thought the Giants. I wasn't sure about the Yankees, but I knew Gaylord Perry, and I knew that Seaver played for the so Mets. Who was it? I guess Yogi Bear. Willie Mays. Yeah, the answer was Willie Mays. So, so like back then when you got drafted, did you go straight to the MLB? No. Twenty four years no. playing seems. Ridiculous. So, let alone 24 All-Stars. That has to be the record, right? I don't know. How is that possible? Because... That's a good question, actually. That's why I guess Cal Ripken, because he played for it. No, I mean, Maze... Maze... So, back then, you didn't have as many levels as of minor leagues as you have today. So, like, Hank Greenberg, for instance. Oh, when Hank Greenberg was signed in 1932... So 29, and when he signed in 29, I'm sorry. I gotta remember. All right. But anyway, AJ. he went to AAA. Oh, good. Sorry. He went to AAA. Like once there was like that was like the minor leagues. It wasn't like five gotcha. levels. Like straight to AAA. Okay. Yeah. So AJ Willie Mays is tied for second for the most All-Star game appearances with Stan Musial. Yeah, that makes sense. Only one person has played in more All-Star games than them, and it's only by one. You got to guess. Wait, Ruth? say that again. Babe Ruth. They the only they only played in one more All-Star game. The all-time record is I 25. I actually know. I actually know. The one, the the all time, the all time All Stars twenty five appearances. Yep. This one I know. Guess ball. Tanker. Yep. Yeah. Who also is the last MLB baseball player to have played in the Negro Leagues? Oh, huh. didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Man, Willie Mays was a good one. I just thought the New York New York connection was Yogi. That's why I asked you if it was multiple or not. If it was multiple rings, I was definitely going Yogi Berra. Shit told us he was Barry Bonds' godfather. He is. Yeah. Got How many seasons did Hank Aaron play? At least 25. 26. <laughs> right. <laughs> he played 26. Crazy. Only one God year didn't damn. make the All-Star. This man's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Hold up. I need, I need assistance. So I just pulled up his sports reference, and I see this 25-time All-Star, but I only see 23. You played in the Negro League all the time. Oh, hold on, let me look. Oh, wait. No, I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. If no. there was one, I'm sure he was there. No, I yeah, just right? see 20. Like not good years. enough for the Negro League All Star game, but no, I don't. I, they don't. I don't think they count that years? towards on Baseball Reference. Count what? The Negro League statistic. 
No, they don't. 54, yeah, I mean, I look, 54 to 76. 54 to 76. That says 23 years. Oh, you no, know what? You it. know what? You know what? At I, I think sometime in here, I think they hosted two All Star games. So yep. Weird. Look right here. In fact, it was 59, 60, 61, and 62. They hosted two All Star games that year. What? Yeah. Yeah. If you look what? at his, uh, look at his, look at his accomplishments. On the awards, on the right yeah, shows. the awards that say All Star, All Star, and then MVP eleven. What in the one, two, three, four years that he was a double All Star? So this man is the greatest baseball player. So of only time two years. So only his, and how fitting is this? Only two years wow. was he not an All Star. His first and his and last. It was his first year right. and his last yeah. year. That's rookie. Yeah. Although his so second to last so year on, on really, baseball reference, it says 1970, 1973 he was an all-star on mine. 19 what? 1973 he was an all-star. Yeah, he played till 76. Oh. Well, what yeah. the fuck is baseball reference lying at? Oh, it's never not, mind. I'm looking at Willie I, Mays. I'm looking at Willie Mays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes a difference. <laughs> It does make a difference. It's wild. Right. Yeah, I forget why. They, they had a lot of the double all-stars of the same thing. So when you guys were like, it says all-star twice, I was like, oh, obviously. All right, my bad. Crazy. All right, back to the game. Oh. Ryan. Oh, he didn't. He wasn't this, all-star, but he was rookie of the year. Oh, good. <laughs> this man, a member of the all-rookie squad, won sixth man of the year and is a multiple-time NBA champion. And he has played with Dwayne Wade, Darius Miles, and Vince Carter. Uh, six man. Did you say anything about All-Stars? I did not. Say it again. So he's a six man of the year, and he's a multiple-time champion? Yep. And he played with who? Dwayne Wade... Darius Miles and Vince Carter. Jesus Christ. Oh, I have a guess, but it's probably wrong because I don't remember winning six man. 30 seconds. Multiple time champion. He wins six man. That's crazy. Ten seconds. I got a bullshit name that you give me. Um, Jesus Christ. Five, four, three, two, one. Need an answer. Five. There's no way he won Mike Miller. Nope. Anyone want to steal? Paul, AJ? Um... Oh, this motherfucker is not a six man. Is it, no is way. it Mario? Is it Mario Chalmers? It is not. JJ Reddick. I can't believe. No, it is not. I can't believe you got Latrell Sprewell in under ten seconds, but you didn't get Lamar Odom. Ooh. Oh my God! I didn't even think about Lamar Odom. Wow. I didn't even think about Lamar Odom. Where did he play? Played with Dwayne he played Wade. Vince in Dallas. Rookie year, in Miami. Right. Yep. Oh, he Dallas was on those heat team. Andrew got because he got traded for Shaq. This motherfucker. Yep. Oh my God. Darius, okay, no, that was, was a good they one. were Clippers together. I didn't never got that. 
not in a million years. I was thinking like Jason Williams. I was like, who the like you Donis Haslam? I was like, he didn't fucking win. So <laughs> that was Mario Chalmers. I'm pretty sure Mario Chalmers played with Wade and Vince Carter. Def- I don't think he played with Darius yeah. Miles. Darius Miles when did, was when a wild longest Carter. Uh, 20, uh, who? Chalmers. Chalmers no, yeah, Chalmers. Odom. Didn't he get? I think, didn't he play with the Mavs? He played, he at some played point? in Toronto. No, he was on the Mavs. No, he got drafted wasn't, by the Heat. Yeah. Wasn't Wasn't Vince Carter in Toronto when he was there? No, no. Chalmers was like no. Chalmers way past. Like Chalmers won the 09 NCAA title. Yeah. Or 08. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, because 09 was fucking North Wait, Carolina. Hold up. House. Mario Chalmers never played for Toronto. Yeah. yeah. No, never. He played for Miami until his last two years. He played with Memphis. He so he, he could have played with them in Memphis actually. He could have played with them in Why Memphis, did I but he think... did not play with Darius Miles. Why did Pretty I sure man, Darius Miles man, out of the man, league by never way. Got yeah, oh, Darius like, Miles. If, if you would have said, and obviously you know this, if you would have said Kobe Bryant, I would have been like, oh, like it, it would have right. clicked. But no, not not Miles. I, I honestly thought Miles Dwayne Wade and Darius Miles was gonna nope. do it. Yeah. Why did I think Mario Mario Chalmers went to? Toronto at the end of his career. Because you were wrong. It happens. Like, welcome to the club. Because you and LeBron have the same opinion of Mario Chalmers, that's why. Oh my god, stop. Alright, Paul. So, hey, just let me cut in real quick. The double All-Star game in MLB was meant for money to push more money towards the player's pension fund. So they played two All-Star games from 58 to 60. So was it like two total All-Star games, or was it like yeah. one American League, one National League? No, it was like it was That's two crazy. All-Star games. Did anyone make one of them but not the other? <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> like, like you fell off like, after well, the first All-Star game. Yeah. So, so the two, this is from SB Nation. Listen here, Brandon Inge. The two annual <laughs> All-Star games. <laughs> Two annual All-Star games, by the way, were managed by identical coaching staffs and played by more or less identical rosters. They were played 27 days okay. apart uh, in 1959. Uh, in 1960, they were played two days apart. In 1961 and 62, they were played 20 days apart. They all That's played. Great. They all took like, place in different stadiums, and one of them, the second game in 1961, ended in a 1-1 tie. Like I, 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 I appreciate it for the players' pension fund and to let more fans see it in person. But like that just seems like a wild idea. That's just funny. Like two days apart. Sorry, Joe DiMaggio. You picked a hell of a time to have a slump for the last month. You're not in this next All-Star. <laughs> you weren't man 330, and now you're down. Yeah, now you're down to 327. So. <laughs> You know, you know, like this is completely off topic, but DiMaggio's hit streak of fifty-six games is like an incredible accomplishment. But it told me he was found cracked out at the whorehouse. I got him immediately. Williams during that same stretch of time hit way better than DiMaggio did. Yep. Like Ted Williams at that time, just like not in a row. just not in a row. But he did have like similar stretches that <laughs> could have gotten there. It was like. Yeah, but who would you rather have? Ted Williams, who's getting three hits a day, and one of them is probably a home run, or Joe DiMaggio, who's just extending his hitting streak by hitting, like, one single in a game. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me Ted Williams all day over that guy. Uh, Ted Williams bat 400 one year? Yep, 406. Yep, last man to do it. it. I don't care how water Like, that's nuts. Like, some of Wilt's records. Like, like I know you were taller than everybody else, but fucking... (laughs) 100 points and 50 rebounds. 
So like, yeah, that's but crazy. Listen, four oh six. Like I think Tony Gwynn would have done that in ninety four, but the season got cut short because Tony Gwynn was on pace to do it. He was so good. Uh, all right, Paul, <clears throat> you up? This Super Bowl champion, eight time Pro Bowler, three time All Pro, has played with Eric Decker, Wes Welker, and Case Keenum. Can you give me the statistics? The, Super the... Bowl champion, eight time Pro Bowler, three time All Pro. I think I know. I mean, and I got. I mean, I have obvious? a guess. What was what was the third player? Not obvious. Case Keenum. <laughs> I have a guess. They all played on the same goddamn team at one point. Like all three of those players. And we have 30 seconds, so I'll give you your last 10. He doesn't respond. He's like, well. <laughs> he won de- Defensive Player of the Year as well. Von Miller. Yep. Man. Okay. I was gonna. I was How gonna come guess I never him? got a, a last hint for? I was. I was gonna really guess. Oh, yeah. Hold on, man. Ryan never you got a last did. hint for. I was. You did. No, I didn't. Twenty-four time All Star. Oh, the twenty. Yeah. What about? Yeah. The, the twenty-four time All Star was Lamar your last hint. I was gonna steal Ryan's that one. I was gonna steal that one. Second hint before ten seconds ago. So. Paul, if you didn't. No, I. I had. I. Von Miller was the name. Yeah. And then he said was it was good on you? Because I was thinking offensive player the whole way. No, I was, I was thinking. Like, so the, the reason I wasn't fuck? thinking offensive. So this is why I wasn't thinking offensive player because right? he gave him three I knew, offensive players. I knew it. I knew it was a Bronco because that's when all those players converge. But a, Von, a Bronco on the offensive side of the ball with those kind of accolades, you're talking like a Peyton Manning. But Peyton wasn't there when Case Keenum was. Right. So it, it and you're looking. So who else was there? See, my my during, guess during was well, could have been there when Case Keenum was, and I wouldn't have fucking known the difference. Eric Decker and Wes Welker weren't on the same I team. I was like, league. like my Wes first Decker thought was, was like Brandon Lloyd, but I was like, he wasn't an eight-time Pro Bowler. Definitely not a three-time All-Pro. No, I just, but you, I'm talking over the course of no, those I'm just years. saying, like, props, props to you for thinking defense, because until he said defensive player yeah. of the year, my mind was No, I was, Von, Von Miller's, they, so there wasn't, they just haven't had those, on the offensive side of the ball, they haven't had any players like with those accolades. Like, even Demarius Thomas never lit it up that much. Like, it, it just, I and they had that monster defense. Vaughn was so good, and I was just, like, that was, I yeah, was right there. Yeah. Like, ugh, I'm good. I'm back. Uh, all right, AJ. And I do have an extra hint for you at the 30-second mark if you don't get it before then on this one. Okay. So, this Hall of Famer and World Series champion played with Sandy Koufax, Eno Slaughter, and Dick Williams. You can't give him a WWF mid guy. That's not fair. <laughs> it honestly isn't fair that he gets all these players I've never heard of. It makes stealing a- so AJ hard. Sp- AJ specifically asked for older generation. I know, and to me, that's okay. like such a contrast between like. That's the to me that's the best contrast between like sports knowledge because you're giving AJ players that I've never heard of, like in terms of who they played with, like Eno Slaughter, and then last time I had right, AJ. two of the players except Tom. So here's here's your hint for the 30 second mark. This man spent a hell of a lot longer in baseball his post playing career and won championships in that post playing career. Oh, the three players. I know. Sandy Koufax and Carlos. 
Oh, well, I have I have a guess at least. I don't know, but I, my guess is Joe Torre. No. Who are the three players? Sandy Koufax and who else? Sandy Koufax, Eno Slaughter, and Dick Williams. <laughs> That's the not helpful names. at all. <laughs> nope. So this man only played Matt is three ho- Matt years. Is Hollywood. <laughs> This he man played. only played three years in the major league. Hold on, he played tell me, 54. tell me what team he played. He played for two years with the Dodgers. Yeah, with Wagner. And he teamed up with with Eno Slaughter in <gasps> Kansas City. And Hones Dick Wagner. Williams in Kansas City. Oh no, I'm so sad. No, oh. no, <laughs> not Dick Williams in Kansas City. Oh, Hones Wagner. So the answer is Wait, Tommy Lasorda. Did you say he was a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he's a Hall did of Fame Did he make coach. it as a manager? Yeah. God dang it, that's cheating. Oh, did you say that's he was not... a manager? Because I totally missed that. No, but he when, didn't. But when he so where did where did no, he play with know. with where did he play with? They Dick were Williams? teammates in in Brooklyn in 1954, Lasorda's rookie oh, year. Shit. He was teammates with Sandy and, in '55 yeah, in Brooklyn, and, and, yeah. and teammates with Slaughter in '56 with the Kansas City Athletics. <laughs> so, Paul, before you called cheating, that was why my big hint was he had a much more successful post-playing career yeah. and oh, won championships. On, one. In Which is why I thought it was Joe Torre. And Tommy Lasorda absolutely fits that. Yeah, he does too. You're right. Man, the old ones are just as hard as the new ones. <laughs> well, I'm trying. Like it, Honestly, look, like I thought you were going to get Willie Mays like that. Like, I really did. Yeah. For all the accolades. The one that threw me that's off was Cepeda. Because I, that's why I asked you about the World Series championships. Because freaking Yogi's got 10 of them, right? Like, I... They, this is hard. Baseball history is hard. And I'm obviously not that good at it. No, 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 no! Don't be, don't be stupid. This is a special kind of game. It's not easy when you're not, you know, you're not talking things out and having, you know, a bunch of time to do it. You got a minute time limit and you very few clues. But all right, so that ends. Who the hell is? I you? would say, no. I would offer that you, at least, if you're going like, and you guys shoot this down if you don't want. Like, if you're going like back to 1954, like we talked, like at least give me like one of the teams. Because I'd never heard of Eno Slaughter, to be honest with you. I had to look him up. See, and, and, and what, what, the names I picked were all Hall of Fame names. I knew, I knew Dick Williams. I'm back, sorry. But, so I figured, you know, that was trying to make that part easier for you as well. I'm not picking some random-ass teammate that ain't nobody heard of. I'm picking Hall of Famers. Like, do you, and with like, you, being do you know who Dick Williams and Eno Slaughter are? Well, I do no, now I that I looked them up. But, like, oh. I'd heard the name Eno Slaughter, but I didn't know what teams he'd ever played for. Because, like, um, I, I know they were older guys, but I was wondering if, like, Eno Slaughter is, like, my Darius Miles. Like, I know who he is. He's not very good, but. No, like, Eno Slaughter is a Hall of Famer. Like, so is Dick Williams. Darius, Darius I just Miles didn't know what teams that they necessarily had played for. All right, so we move I don't on. Know who any of those players that are not named Sandy. Yeah, like, Slaughter had a 57 <laughs> war in his career. 300 batting average. He was a. Also, it's dirty. Oh, okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna go that far back, you gotta say Hall of Fame thought, manager, you little hoe bag. I, th- I thought he meant. No, that would have given it away. He, he, he also spent like, slaughter. What? Slaughter also spent three years serving in World War II. So he lost a little bit of time there. All right, AJ, check the Sports Carnage chat, not the Discord, but the Facebook, because we oh, move on. Oh. To SBC, start bench cut. And we have a theme for the night is 2000. So everything is from 2000 
to 2009, that decade. Wait, you gave us start... a name? You actually gave us a name this time? Yeah. I don't, there's only one last week that I didn't give you the name. The other one yeah, gave you right. names. Nah, okay, so, I got it. Who starts first? I don't remember. So we are doing nine, from 2000 to 2009, the 2000s quarterbacks, and we're not taking the best of the best, but we're taking three damn good ones. And your options for start bench cut are Donovan McNabb, Kurt Warner, and Brett Favre. Ooh. In Donovan McNabb's 10 years... He had a 90-45-1 record in these 10 years. Threw for almost 32,000 yards at just under 60% completion. For 208 touchdowns and 93 interceptions. Multiple NFC Championship games. One Super Bowl appearance. No Super Bowl victory. Did he lose to Brady in his first one? Yes. He lost him in only that, that's on Brady's first one. No, no. it was Brady's, Brady's third one. Rams. Kurt Warner lost to Brady in Brady's first one. Ah, okay. And after that year, Kurt Warner went on to have, for the decade, a 54-46 and record. Missed a ton of games with different teams over this time. Threw for just under 28,000 yards, but at almost a 65% completion percentage in the decade. Oh, I see what you're saying. 167 Yeah, just in the decade. Just in the decade. Just in the decade. Not their career. So that that changes the game specifically. It's just for the decade. It does change the game a little bit. Kurt Warner surprised me with how many interceptions he actually threw. For his 167 touchdowns, he had 115 picks. Because even during this time, wasn't he backing up Eli? Uh, yeah, he trained Eli. He tried to train Matt Leinart. That didn't work. Uh, we had pretty good years there in Arizona, though, after that time, that short stint with the Giants. And then Brett Favre, the old gunslinger, who had a 103-61 and record, over 38,000 yards at 63% completion percentage, for 262 touchdowns, the most by far out of this group, and 176 interceptions, also the most by far for yeah. this group. Who's starting? I know my. I already know. Uh, so it is same order as who the hell. So it's Ryan, uh, then Paul, Paul then AJ. That's tough. I'm still trying to decide. Um, so who who are we going with first? Who we who we're starting? Uh, so no, who are you cutting? Ah, it's tough, man. I I'm probably ending up cutting uh, cutting Kurt Warner, and I don't like it, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't know because he got he got him a Super Bowl right that wasn't um that wasn't Trent no Green. no no he he got the Rams a Super Bowl but that was before, that was before this, year, this oh decade God, started um, he yeah, got him no, back I, I think and I'm, lost to Brady and lost to Ben I'm cutting Kurt Warner he was into I liked it. I liked a lot of what McNabb did you know he he was a a dual threat guy. And his weapons were absolutely garbage until they ended up getting T.O. Um, and I think Brett Favre is just overall a little bit better than Kurt Warner. Although Kurt Warner might be the, the best person out of them all. That is, uh, that is not what we're discussing. I, so I think I'm probably cutting Kurt Warner. And who are you starting? Is Man, my, my gut tells me I'm, I'm going to start Brett Favre and I hate him. He's like my least favorite quarterback of all time. Um, most, I think he has the most interceptions ever. 
But at the end of the day, if I'm building a team, I do want a quarterback that's not afraid to push the ball downfield and not afraid to win me the game. He's going to lose me some games with that mentality. Um, but Brett Favre, he was, he was able to prove um, that he led a team to a Super Bowl. Granted, it, it wasn't in this time frame. It was even earlier than Kurt Warner uh, yeah. got you a Super Bowl. But they were they were always there. I'm sure they won the division a bunch of times between 2000 and 2009 with him there. Um, and he did give you those those game crushing interceptions, um, but he also gave you the, those game winning plays. And if I'm debating between him and Donovan McNabb, well, I like Donovan McNabb probably more than uh, more than a lot of people. One thing that I think you could say about McNabb that you couldn't say about Favre is McNabb was you know liable to quit on his team. Sort of like he did in the Super Bowl. Um, so if I'm going to get the chance between two flawed guys and one guy I know is going to give me all he has, and with that comes his flaws, and the other guy isn't going to give me all he has, even if he's a little bit more physically talented, um, I'm going to take the guy that at least isn't going to give up on me. So I'm going I'm to ride with Brett Favre and hope that he can give me another Super Bowl. All right. Paul, who are you cutting? You did an excellent job. Yeah. I mean, this is this really is super good. tough. It is tough. This is so good. I'm cutting way, way better than Spreewell. <laughs> so, the thing with Kurt Warner is he had obviously the best players around him, but at the same time, he also made the most of them. You know what I mean? He won MVP twice. Yeah. He was an all-pro twice. But not during this time frame, right? No, but he went to but he went to two Super Bowls in I this think time he frame. won an MVP during this time frame. I'm pretty sure he won an MVP during this time frame, at least one. Um, he went to a couple Super Bowls, but he also had a lot of meh. Outside of five seasons, he didn't have the same consistency over his career. But again, I mean, so if you look at... So it's really rudimentary. I don't know. I didn't pull up any advanced statistics, but like you look at yards per attempt, he lapped the field. But then you remember what that offense was like, and it's like, well, I mean, he kind of should have. You know what I mean? It's this is a really tough one. I, I'm gonna cut Kurt Warner. Uh, I just I think he was not consistent enough, which is weird to say about a guy that put up the numbers that he put up and the completion percentage that he put up, but. I feel like that he was right place, right time for a good portion of his career, and I don't think it would have worked anywhere. Yeah, I'm not like, trying to take anything away most, from him. He, he probably has, had the most help, but he also had, like, the worst teams. You know what I mean? He, he had – I got you, yeah. He had an amazing story, and it, this is hard. It's splitting hairs. I want, I want to be clear, like – you can't knock, especially when comparing these three in a yeah, vacuum. Not, not, not like you're not knocking see. any of these three, and they're Matt did an exceptional job of this. But really, I do. Like if I'm picking for my team, like I have the re- these three guys to pick from: starter, backup, start, bench, cut. Right? Like this is the whole thing. Yep. I'm not picking Kurt Warner for the team. Yeah. I- I'm just not. And I- I'm in. I'm with Ryan, although I don't hate Brett Favre. I actually do really? like Brett Favre. Oh but this my god. Is, that's gross. This is still exceptionally <laughs> hard to me. So the thing with McNabb, McNabb was McNabb was a very different kind of quarterback. That's what makes his comparison hard. And it's not just the running the ball. I mean, it wasn't like he was Lamar Jackson anyway. Um, he, he is such a different kind of quarterback. And so what I'm looking for in quarterbacks is 
not just consistency, but things that you can rely on to keep the offense on the field and make plays. Donovan McNabb's completion percentage, and it's it's an overrated statistic, but you complete 59% of your passes it's kind of over a career. It's kind of a red flag, and I don't know what his completion percentage was for that time frame. It's an overrated statistic, it but it fits my narrative, so I'm going to use it. You no, know, it's Well, well it's if, if you're black Josh Allen, you don't have any business starting. Wait, Paul, what time frame are you talking about for his completion percentage? Uh, so uh, that's what I said. It's, but to be fair, no, these are the stats. These are the stats for this that's time. That's not his oh, career. Matt, Matt stepped his game up. High five. I didn't see that you put that in there. So what's what's High great five, is what son. I was just about to say. So 2000 and 2009 pretty much eclipsed Donovan McNabb's entire career. As evidenced by the fact that his completion percentage was within half a percent. So it's a little bit of a red flag. The quitting stuff, you never know yeah. what's in a person's heart. I mean, it's you get an idea, and it didn't look great, but I, I am loath to say that someone quit on it. Yeah, I guess I don't remember that happening. Unless it's just extreme. It's stuff it, that T.O. said because Donovan McNabb was throwing up in the huddle on the final drive trying to steal the Super Bowl from the Patriots. And, and uh, he also didn't play well. Like in uh, unless game. it's cut and dry. Like, I, I'm not going to say that someone quit yeah. on the team. That is, so quitting on your team, to me is one of the most awful accusations you can make. So if it's not true, that's like, I mean, there's not, there's not much worse Word you can up do to Scotty Pippen. There's not much worse <laughs> you can do in a team sport, man. So, I mean, and you look at a guy like Brett Favre, and although actually I don't think, I'm trying to think if any of them came in the 2000s. He won like three MVPs, like right around the same time as each other. No, no. Brett Favre won three in a row. One of them he shared with with uh, Barry Sanders. It, none so of them all, came, all three right? of his. None of them. No, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. But so he was still that player. Yeah. He didn't suck in the two thousands. Uh. He was amazing. And two thousand nine does I believe that includes a season in Minnesota, right? Yes, it does. A season in where they maybe kind of should have won the Super Bowl that year if they didn't get screwed. It had Brett, if he didn't screwed. throw the Brett interception Favre not to, been the Brett Favre. <laughs> to do, to do it shouldn't that, that pick shouldn't have mattered. The game should have been well over, and the league conspired to give New Orleans a Super Bowl. But whatever. Yes, Paul on the conspiracy trains. I love at, it. At 40 years old, for him to go to Minnesota and do what he did, oh, yeah, I agree. it's. I mean, it's incredible, and. I, I love his game. He did throw too many interceptions for my <laughs> liking. Think? But I again, so interceptions are no, 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 no. You can say interceptions are you know what you're about to say, but Brett Favre being Brett Favre was the cause of so many of those interceptions. He, I no, that's not what I was going to say. Interceptions are an overrated uh-huh. stat. That's what he's going to say. They are also an overrated stat. <laughs> now, not when you turning, talk not about not turning the ball over. Not turning the ball over is important, but so many quarterbacks, their aversion to risk, I don't care if they only yeah. throw a handful of interceptions a year. Look at McNabb. It hurts Look at McNabb's numbers show the exact opposite. to win games. And yeah. honestly, I think I, a perfect example for, to compare to Brett Favre, I think Aaron Rodgers would have been a much better quarterback in – Better is kind of opinion. I think he would have had more success if he wasn't so 
risk averse when it comes to turning over the ball. Okay. That is a discussion for another day, but I think interceptions get very improperly weighed when talking about Brett Favre. And yeah, he threw 300 in his career, more than that, three something. Um, but he also threw 500 touchdowns. He won a gazillion games, which you guys know how overrated I think that is. But the dude was a monster, and he he carried right, some of we, those we, teams. We, AJ, yeah. who are you cutting? So, again, like not to be a broken record here, but this is a very difficult decision. Like, if I was thinking about, like, team construction, right, and, like, the type of backup I would want, I would probably want Kurt Warner, but given the names that are on this list, I'm still cutting him. Right, because you you don't take Kurt Warner from two thousand two thousand nine and take him over McNabb or Favre. Where I dissent a little bit with these other guys is I actually start McNabb over Favre. I agree with like I I, I love Favre. I think he's a, a was a great quarterback. I had no distaste for him at all. Um, again, I think his lack of risk aversion obviously hurt him. Like I think did he not end his career with that pick to New Orleans and no, he had one more year. One more with, okay. uh, with Minnesota. Okay. So after that, but so, so like, but he, but it, I think he got hurt that it year. always it always seemed like when it came down to crunch time, like obviously, like Favre's the guy you want in crunch time, right? But you all, it was always going to be a coin flip whether he would ruin it for you or win the game, right? Like it yeah. wasn't going to be like oh you know they stopped us on a fourth down conversion and the game was over it was either he was going to throw a pick and the game was over or he was going to throw a touchdown and the game was over um the reason why i'm i'm kind of starting McNabb over Favre in this scenario is just because of you're right paul he's not lamar jackson but he does add an added element of dimension to my offense um a little less risk averse i also understand the completion percentage i i get all that but I also think that much of that completion percentage goes back to what Ryan said and the weapons that he had around him until T got there or T.O. got there. So he had Todd Redding Mitchell. Right. That is so, one of the best plays ever, though. The fourth and twenty-six conversion of Freddie Mitchell. Yeah. Right. So so I, I I always liked and respected Donovan Nap. Did I ever think he was like the best quarterback? No, I didn't. But I think that given the right weapons and the right team construction, and, you know, Andy Reid, obviously, like, they did really good things there. So, in this scenario, I probably would start Donovan McNabb just because of the added element of his escapability and his athleticism, though knowing I have a gunslinger that I can bring off the bench and can go out and win me or lose me a game with one throw. No, and and, so and I, I don't gonna, hate it. Like if you're go- especially if you're going to tailor like the list towards today, you probably want a guy that can move you no know, more than more than Brett Favre can. And I like McNabb a lot. I just didn't think he was better than Favre, even though I hated Favre with my entire heart. Yeah, I think it's tough because Warner missed a ton of games throughout this same period, you know, and that reflects in his record, obviously. Um, but at the same time, was you know. In between them, as far as t- as interception passes, he threw a lot of picks. A lot more than I expected when I looked up Kurt Warner's numbers uh, for this decade. Um, I mean, but the man took took a Cardinals team that had no business <laughs> getting to the Super Bowl 
to the Super Bowl, um, you know, was within a, you know, Tom Brady ridiculous drive in the final minute and a half, uh, you know, going to overtime and maybe winning two Super Bowls with uh, St. Louis. But I'm agreeing with you guys. I do have to, I have to cut him on this one. Um, I liked Donovan McNabb a lot. I always thought he got way more flack than he ever deserved. Absolutely. I thought he had trap. I thought he had trash-ass receivers to throw to Todd Pinkston and these other <laughs> pansy-ass guys that were just terrible receivers. They were pussies. They wouldn't go for the ball on balls that he threw up there for him. And Best receiver was his running back, Brian Westbrook. I mean, the man went to, what, five NFC Championship games in his career? And, you know, one Super Bowl, obviously. And, you know, it's not like they were ever, you know, embarrassed in the NFC Championship. In fact, they were favored in most of them. And they just couldn't quite get it done. And, I mean, Brett Favre is Brett Favre. And I just, while it's, I, I was a fan of Favre as much as I hate the Packers. I did enjoy him, you know, those younger years. But I think for this time period, I'm also going with McNabb. I'm with AJ on this one. I'm going to start McNabb. I'm a bench Favre. It's going to piss him off too. All right. Back to the chat so I can send this next shot for you guys. This is your next lineup. We're going with 2000s point guards. So stats are only from 2000, 2001 to 20, 2009, 2010. You, you can't give me the name because this is automatic bias. And that's fine. You can have bias in this one, and I understand why. But I am giving you the names, and I'm giving you the you know what they did you know because they were all very good point guards, you know, and did things differently along their way to winning a lot of games and being in a lot of postseasons and or just putting up a ton of stats in certain cases. But so your options for your 2000s point guards are Andre Miller, Baron Davis, and Mr. Big Shot himself, Chauncey Phillips. Hey. So for Andre Miller, who's arguably one of the better defending point guards and a beefy motherfucker, almost 15 points a game, over seven assists, just over four rebounds. I didn't even I, – I, I wasted our time putting steals in here because they're all around the same. Baron <laughs> Davis did have a little bit more. But Andre Miller shot just under 46% from the floor overall but was a terrible three-point shooter at under shoot. 20%. Chauncey Billups at 16.1 points per game, six and a half assists, just under four rebounds and a steal, shot 42% from the field but almost 40% from deep. And Baron Davis, no argument which one of these three guys is the best scoring point guard, 18 points per game, almost eight assists, just over four rebounds, two steals, just under 41% from the field, and 32% from deep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, starting to cut is Andre Miller, and that pains me to say because I've been a really big fan of these past few Warriors teams. And Andre Miller was kind of second fiddle most important off the bench right after Andre Iguodala. Um, and I, I was incredible story from having his knee like literally blown up to be to being able to kind of craft the career that that he was able to. Salutes to Andre Miller, but not being a threat shooting the ball at all. And the things you do give me, like basketball IQ, I can get in spades with Chauncey. 
um, and the athleticism that he possessed before his injury, I can get in spades with uh, with Baron Davis. So all of the best things that Andre Miller is able to offer me, I already have in these other two guys. And that is why Andre Miller is a cut to me, although it's sad to say because I do enjoy him in general. Although because he can't shoot, I will say he is a terrible 2K player. Like if you have him <laughs> on your team and he's in the game, better off putting a 65 overall in that that can at least shoot threes. Who I'm going to start is obviously going to be biased to me. It's going to be Chauncey Billups. And it might not be fair to Baron Davis or, or I mean, Andre Miller won stuff, but not as, you know, like the main guy. But Chauncey Billups proved to you that he was able to lead a team. Um, and I think, I know Baron Davis averaged more assists, but to me that's part of the system that he was in. Like, uh, not this year, but in a lot of years, Harden is really, and even this year, but LeBron's leading the league in assists this year. But Harden's usually right up there, like top two or three in assists. And it's not because he's one of the two or three best passers in the NBA. It's just like the system that he's in, Mike D'Antoni's system, even with Steve Nash, it allowed the ball handlers to either, you're either going to make the shot or you're going to pass to the guy that's going to shoot. So you're going to rack up a a crap ton of assists, and that's kind of the same way that those Golden State play, teams played with Baron Davis. So I actually think Chauncey Billups is a better um, distributor and a better team player than Baron Davis is. So I would start Chauncey Billups. He's a much better shooter than what Baron Davis is, and Baron Davis gives you so much in terms of like athleticism, which if I'm going to start a guy off a of bench, I know last week we had the, uh, the six-man discussion who would just start bench and cut. And if I want my six man just to get absolute buckets, I know that is something that Baron Davis is going to be able to do for me. So I'm going to start Chauncey because he has that uh, championship pedigree. I think he's a better uh, team player and he's a better defender to me as well. Not only is, you know, like he big and strong, he can defend the post, um, but he's just somebody that knows the game of basketball a little bit more than Baron Davis does. And Baron Davis is a guy that's uh, a little bit more liable to go, you know, like ISO one-on-one, everybody clear out. I'm about to do what I'm about to do. But to me, Chauncey is always going to make the right basketball play. Um, And plus he is just a absolute dead-eye, dead-eye shooter, which are the two most important things I want in my point guard you make the right play and when you're a and when you can shoot you're able to knock down that shot more times than not I appreciate after the last one being so difficult you make it so easy yeah because it's not it's just literally not close so you're cutting Andre Miller I can't have an NBA guard that has a worse deep shot than me it's I don't even care what else he does like you can't do it like, I can't do it it's not I think not it's okay. hilarious that overall he has the best shooting percentage out of these three it's guards not okay That's but he fine. can't shoot three for shit it's fine um no, I and Andre Miller props what he did. I mean, he's a good NBA player, but uh, no, Andre no, Miller had mid range game, baby. No, no, and big chance. body and big body post game. No chance. Think about how amazing that is. He could shoot from the mid range, but was sub twenty percent from deep in, in your time frame. Um, yeah, that's bad. It's it's unbelievable. Well, I, I mean, mean you, you also possible. have to think like he was so athletic before his injury. He didn't really need a three point shot. Like, you think of, like, Russell Westbrook can't shoot now because he's always just dominated dudes with his athleticism. That was sort of what Andre – not at the level Westbrook was doing. Russ Westbrook still shoots but twice as good the, as him But at team. the same time, like, Andre Miller, like, he didn't need to shoot because all of his shots he could get at the basket. 
no, I so anyways, he's the easy cut, and then Chauncey is the easy starters. Chauncey's just the clear cut best player of this group, and it's not even close. Like it's legitimately not even close. Whether you go by accolades, Man, titles, just on I, I think accolades, it's titles, Davis, but I'm biased. Not even closer. So. Accolades, titles, win shares, player efficiency, a field goal percentage from deep. Like I, I use whatever thing that you like to. Other than points, like, okay, so Baron Davis scored a couple more points in him a game. Chauncey was a total package, and he was and legitimately, and rebounds. legitimately and better. <laughs> that's usage. That's usage. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the Harden, like, Doncic. That thing. is, that is like, a usage You're asked to just do so, so much. Cha- Chauncey was just a better player, period, in, in all in all all facets to me he was absolutely phenomenal and not to mention not only was he so good as a player and a teammate but is a leader i mean who 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 better do you want to lead by example for your team and run your team and raise up the young young guys like i this one is super easy bear Davis, a great player and he can come off my bench all he wants it's fantastic but Star chauncey bench baron davis and uh we're gonna cut andre miller that dunk on karolinko that's nuts oh god all right, AJ. I, I literally, like, this is the most boring segment, portion of this segment for me because I have nothing to add to these guys because everything that I was going to say about Chauncey Billups is exactly what Paul just said. Like, I thought I was going to bring out this X, field, X, X factor of, like, field general doing, like, amazing things to lead a team and be really, like, you know – blow the minds with my analysis of how great of a leader Chauncey was, and that's why you start him. Um, but Paul ripped the rug right out from under me. So Going last well, sucks. Well, one thing I think that um, I guess we could add to Chauncey is it wasn't just his time with the Pistons. When he went to the Nuggets and when he went to the Knicks, he made those teams instantly better. Right. Even if he wasn't the yes. best player on those teams, like just having him made those teams 51 teams. But, but I mean, no, and, and that's the thing, like Chauncey – Chauncey was a star in his own right, uh, I, and I yeah, think obviously absolutely. specifically in the homer and me think specifically to his time with the Pistons. He was a star in his own right, but he also was the same exact player when he wasn't the star. Like, and don't get it twisted. Like his prime with the Pistons, I think he was top five in MVP voting. I know he was top ten, guaranteed. I believe he like cracked the top five. Yeah, of and MVP. So, like, so how much those Pistons teams relied on like the team? You know what I mean? Like everybody doing their part. Like it's insane to think that one guy could garner enough attention to be even right. considered a top handful MVP candidate. And and to Paul's point, like I really don't think Paul overstated the point about Andre Miller's deep shot being worse than Paul's because like twenty percent, two out of every ten. And I understand, like, okay, there's there's three point lines farther than ours, you know, like that we would shoot at a local gym. I get all that, but like twenty percent is awful. So bad. I, I so like bad. I legitimately feel like I could go into a gym at an NBA three point line and at least hit two shots. Matt, does your answer Out differ from us? Because I know you're the. Like you, like me, and you love basketball on this podcast, and I feel like you might appreciate Andre Miller, even though it's not in this time frame, a little bit more than um, than what Paul and AJ do, and even me. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I do appreciate Andre Miller in his game, and you know, he is he's kind of a forgotten point guard stud from his time period. But with these other two names up against it, he is the cut, 
It's just then what do you Where did he start his want... I don't mean to cut you off, Matt. Where did Andre Miller like start his career? Cleveland. He was drafted high as shit. But where did he go? Where did he go to college though, too? Because he was like a pretty big name uh, coming out of college, right? He he was from yeah um, yeah, but he went to Utah. Utah. That was the thing. So he wasn't yeah you know okay. He, That's what I thought. He was. I knew there was a Utah. You know, I, I didn't know was, if it was like Utah, like the Utes, or if he went to the Jazz. But I thought yeah. that he was. No, yeah, he was right after you know right oh, after he, the he, um, I think he might have he played from a Jarrett. He might have been the point. Yeah, but he, and he might have been the point guard with Keith Van Horn as a freshman. Okay. He might have been a freshman point guard playing with Keith Van Horn in that Utah squad. And he got drafted by Cleveland. Is that where? But I mean, he just. Uh, where did he go after edited. Cleveland? Um, uh, he went to the Clippers for a hot minute, but then he was in Denver, and Denver is really where yeah, he made he his started name. Kind of getting some more okay, notoriety. Yeah. Is that where he yeah. blew out his knee? Get this: in 2002, his his last year with Cleveland, he was uh, he was he was 16 points, 11 assists a game. Like that was the thing. Like to your point about like him being forgotten, like. Like I re- now, like now that we're talking about him, I remember like how big in air quotes his name was coming out of college. So, but that didn't like when you compare him against these other two, he's the obvious obvious cut. Right. I mean, him him and Billups are similar size, and they had a similar game, except that Billups was a much better deep shooter. Way but better. they were big body point guards that would love to go to the post. Billups was and, a way you know, better pick free you off in the post. And like just... Andre was eighty percent from three, but Billups was close to ninety. That's what I was just gonna bring up. So it is amazing to me to think about, and I'm curious if things would have been a lot different if he played his career today. You have to think that. He would have developed that he should have been capable of developing a not just an acceptable three point shot, but a good three point shot. Like you look at the three point indicator, so he can hit the mid range shots. Like those are difficult to do. If you should be able to, if you're hitting mid from mid major, you should be able to extend your range with enough practice. And then you look at he hit eighty percent of his free throws. If you have that kind of now that kind of goes with the mid range stuff. If you can hit free throws and if you can hit mid range, you should be able to hit free throws. But I mean, you're telling me that a guard. I mean, this isn't a seven foot big man with lanky arms. A guard that can shoot eighty percent from the line. They can have a nice. Uh, I wish I could. I don't have it in front of me. I wish there was a way on here to separate like two point like shots from I mean, layups. But to me, not. it's definitely better um, than twenty two. But I don't even know if it's like thirty five. It might be like 33, 34, which is maybe respectable enough. Like definitely coming off the off the bench, it's something that you kind of it would can't change the conversation. Off, but but like to well, me, I mean, he's never approaching here, so, Chauncey range of shooting threes. Ryan, so you play you play more basketball than anybody else, um, you know, so you would know this more. But you know, you have your your comfort range. So if you had, and I and I mean distance wise, I don't I don't mean a, a, a particular spot on the court. But distance-wise, comfort range for your shot, you know, if you could pick a spot, where would it be? You know, where, what, 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 what out, what, how many feet out from the rim? Um, to me, like I'm, I, I like the right elbow a lot. I think just because okay, I'm so right that distance of about that. about fifteen <laughs> yeah, feet. Where I was. So a fifteen-footer feels very comfortable to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So me as a basketball player, and I've had plenty of times to you know to figure this out over the years of playing is. You know, I'm a streaky three-point shooter. Sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm yeah. off. But right, I mean, literally right inside the three-point line, all along the arc, 
all along the arc, right inside of it, I am a much better shooter. You just and need it would to piss work out. my teammates off. You just need to hit the gym. It's fine. It's, you, you it's, know. it's not about that, though. It's, it's just the comfort of my entire jump shot and what feels right. And that distance just feels a hell of a lot better and more comfortable to me you know who than is a trem- shooting from the three. You know who's a tremendous three-point shooter? And I'm going to say this every time we bring it up on the podcast because I know he listens. is Don. Yeah. No, Don can stroke it. So when we first played basketball, Don was talking all this shit about, like, three-pointers. And I, I just thought it was talking shit, right? No, bro. And I, I got to the gym the latest, mind you. I get to the gym. I see Don warming up. Pow, 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 pow. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this dude was a, a monster. And like, is it one of those awkward, like, dad three-point shots, though? Or is no, it, like, it, a no, legitimate, like, no, athletic three-point? It's a, it's a stroke. It's nice. Like, he's a legit three-point shooter. Now, if you, if you defend him, a little bit different story because when we got into the game, and I threw myself on Don. I'm a little bit taller. I got some more reach than uh, my teammate, which I think was was Dylan. Uh, I was able to affect it. But like, if you're just if you're playing around the world, like bro, Don will bury you. Like his I, I mean, shot, he, really it, it is he fits the profile like exactly of what you would expect. Like like three point three point to three points, Don. He's he's, he's five going inside and white in, in strokes. No, Don really, but, Don really does stroke it. I mean, it's see, this crazy. is what I miss by like living so far away. Like, and I don't live as far away as Matt, but like, you guys all kind of live in like the same region <laughs> north of Detroit. That's funny. So it makes it a lot easier for y'all to get together. It's much easier. All right, so just just to get back on yeah, track, sorry, here, Matt. For pure basketball, just pure basketball. Yeah, so I'm it's starting Don. I'm everything. cutting Chauncey. Will you stop? All the intangibles. <laughs> All the intangibles Christ, of what right make now. you a winner and a leader, it's Chauncey Billups by a mile. I, I love BD. And if y'all haven't watched Baron Davis, y'all out there listening to us, go over to YouTube and find some videos of Oh, Baron he Davis, was good, man. He was some fun. Basketball. Well, so all the great point guards Talk, go to die Charlotte. Baron I, Davis, Chris Paul. I think if Chauncey's career started a decade later, 12 years later, I think he would be like in the top – five top seven ever point guard conversation his game today like he's so good and he does everything i mean he's literally like almost a better shooting chris paul like as far as like the way that now he doesn't have the passing ability that chris paul does nobody does and there's he's not as dirty as chris paul on the defensive side it's dirty. I actually hate that term. He's not as crafty as Chris Paul. Oh, crafty. Side. Oh, no, it's but dirty with Chris Paul. The way – no, crafty. Crafty is the word I'm looking no, for. It's dirty. Yeah, being no, 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 no. No, he's <laughs> dirty. <laughs> dirty. No, he's just straight dirty. Nope, it's crafty. You put Chauncey, like, the way the game is played today and what he can do from the guard position and the way that he shoots the ball and the consistency that he shoots the ball with, like – he would a he would average twenty five points because no. oh my god are there, are there multiple uh, is this an outline are we going a b c d because we ain't got time for that we got to move on just, to baseball I, I oh god I wish Chauncey played twelve years actually I don't because we won a title all right get your asses back on the sports carnage page check out the last three guys' stats AJ it is your time to shine my friend so we got two thousands. 
third baseman, and we are not putting Alex Rodriguez in this bitch. We are not putting Chipper Jones in this bitch. But we got three other guys that are pretty damn oh good at gosh, this position. Yes, they are. And again, these are stats from only this time period of 2000 to 2009. Your third baseman are Troy Gloss, Adrian Beltre, and the forgotten stud Scott Rowland. I mean, you could so, argue that Troy Gloss is also a forgotten stud. I don't. Uh, maybe I don't know. I, sorry, in my mind, because I forgot Scott Rowland before doing this, and I'm like, oh damn, Scott yeah. Rowland, where you been? <laughs> so in this time period of 2000 to 2009, dang, Troy Gloss was a four-time All Star and a two-time Silver Slugger. He had just over 1,100 hits with a 250 batting average, a 353 on on-base percentage, and a 486 slugging for 274 home runs, 777 RBIs, and a 944 fielding percentage at third base. We were not taking any of their numbers from playing shortstop or anywhere else. Yeah. Also in this time period, he missed 424 games. Ooh. Adrian Beltre... Only missed 168 games in this time period. Had just over 1,500 hits, a 272 batting average, a 323 on base, a 456 slugging, 228 home runs. So Gloss was a home run machine compared to Beltre for how many games he missed. But 817 RBIs, a 960 fielding percentage, two time gold glove and aj can you explain this to me please this man was second in mvp voting in 04 but he was not an all-star how the hell is that possible strong second half yeah that would be my that's the all-star game and i mean let's be honest like all-star voting's a popularity contest and in 04 he was playing where the dodgers Yep. Yeah, I don't. I mean, so and also, I don't know if it was the same in 04. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no way that he was getting in over Chipper Jones. <laughs> I I don't know if it was the same in 04, but every team has to have a representative, which really skews. Yeah. Like the available spots for the deserving. Players. Which I think is a important oh, yeah, though. Like I, I think. think I, no, before, no. I thought that was no, like not important. Really. Literally a participation award. Not cool. Well, it, it, <laughs> I mean, I'm not arguing right. that point, but this is easy. This and is easy. Scott Rowland. Who went from the Phillies Easy. to the Cardinals? That man looked good Easy. in red. Hit on, had over 1,330 hits. Hit 262 with a 364 on base, a 486 slugging, 201 home runs, 832 RBIs, a 971 fielding percentage. Missed 335 games in this decade. Is a six-time Gold Glover, a five-time All-Star. And a one-time silver slugger. So, Ryan, starting with yourself, who are you cutting? I'm going to cut uh, Mr. Glaus because the best available, the best uh, ability is availability. And I know if I roster him, start him, or even uh, even roster him or bench him, then um, you know he's he's not going to be there for me when when I need him most. So. With that, that's that's probably just the reason that I'm cutting them because the numbers are all pretty similar here, except I know I'm going to have way more luck with the other guys actually being able to uh, to get in the lineup. Who I'm going to start is Mr. Beltre, second in MVP. 
seems like he had the the highest peak out of all these gentlemen and he was a better hitter than mr roland um in terms of batting average didn't have quite the quite the slugging percentage uh or i'm sorry on base percentage or slugging percentage but he did hit more home runs they have about the same amount of rbis and uh beltray was the best um the best fielder out of the uh, uh no he was not the best fielder but he was a a pretty good fielder so i'm probably going to take beltray because i think his peak from looking at the the awards and the accolades is a little bit better and then i'm gonna cut mr glouse because he might as well be mr glass with all the time that he <laughs> <laughs> so i think uh, unlike age i think this is really difficult actually um before i cut him i want to put some respect on mr glouse's name um so, despite by not... Mis- by mispronouncing his last Gla- name? Yeah, Troy Gloss. It's Gloss. Well, I don't like that. No, I'm not doing like that. Like Floss. Nope, Gloss. <laughs> nope, he's German now. Um, like his lip gloss is... <laughs> so, this man had an OBPS well north of 800 while only having a 250 batting average. Now, advanced statistic... Savants will tell you how poor batting average is as a metric. It still has some meaning. I mean, you need to put the ball in play at times. But this man, while missing a stupid amount of games, hit by far most home runs. I mean, his power numbers were fantastic. He was the worst fielder of them, but he was not a bad fielder. He wasn't awful. I mean... And we're talking... I don't know, man. He's he was a good player. I'm cutting him. So I mean, he wasn't as good as these other two, but and he is the easiest one to cut for sure. But he was a really good player. This was really hard for me, and I mean Ryan probably couldn't get over the twice as many missed games, but I gotta start Scott Rowland and cut Adrian Beltre, which is very difficult for me because Adrian Beltre was super super good, but despite the missed games. Scott Rowland was super good and super better, like, both ways. So, if you go OBVS is one of my favorite hitting metrics, and Scott Rowland lapped the field here. Um, he was really, well, the field with him and Adrian Beltre, not Tony Gloss. Or Troy Gloss, Jesus Christ. Um, Just make up any other name you want for him, I guess. <laughs> I will. I hate his name, honestly. It's just... <laughs> You gotta remember, you like Troy Gloss, Troy Gloss. Troy Gloss was Troy also Gloss. like a huge, like he was like six four, six. Like he was a big dude. He's a big boy. Yeah. Which explains the homer numbers, right? It explains the homer numbers. I'm, explains I'm the kidding. batting average. Explains the lack of fielding. It explains percentage. all of it. The yeah. lack of consistent contact, yeah. but still being able to. Um, but as much as he walked, is impressive given how large his strike zone was. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's he's the obvious man out. It's the next two that it gets hard, but Scott Rowland really did play elite defense, and he backed it up with elite offense. And he missed – really, that's that's the argument to me. So the things Adrian Beltre has in, in his wheelhouse, he won an MVP, which is – No, he was second in MVP voting. All right, I'm which sorry, second you should have won it. Like you're, right, you're right. He was second in MVP voting. <laughs> and he missed half the games. He only set out in a decade – it was a decade, right? It's 10 years? Yep. He only missed 160 games. It's 16 games a year, which is like normal maintenance. Um, Scott Rowland missed twice that. 
Obviously, he went through some stuff. He had some injury issues. But it, we're talking total package. If he misses a game, it's whatever. Yeah, I'm going to take Scott Rowland here, Adrian Beltre, and then Troy Gloss. There it is. He's going to get cut. All right, AJ. All right, so I, I'm i a little pissed about having to go last again because – no, 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 no. But that doesn't matter on this one because this is what this is stuff you yeah. know more than you can. You can players. add a lot more than I. So, do. I so here's the deal. Like number one, like Paul's order is 100 percent correct. Um, okay, that's exactly what I was going to do, and I'll, right, I'll, I'll explain right why. With with, <laughs> sorry, Ryan. I mean your your choice wasn't bad. You can't ever go wrong starting Adrian Beltre, but in this scenario, starting Scott Rowland's a little bit better. The obvious cut is Troy Gloss, even though I really like Troy Gloss. I do think that he's kind of a forgotten guy as well um, because he did put up good numbers. But he was an all-or-nothing guy, right? And that's clear. He had the most home runs out of all these guys, but he also had a low batting average, which I understand is not a necessarily agreed-upon like good statistic. But even his slugging percentage, which is part of that OBPS, right, was the exact same as Scott Rowland's, which means that Scott Rowland was much more opportunistic and more consistent in the way that he slugged the baseball. Troy Gloss's slugging percentage is solely home runs. I mean, that's hyperbolic, but you get what I'm saying, right? It was all or nothing with him. I don't think it's that hyperbolic. But but it but to, I mean that's Which, it's not to say that he never hit a double. But when I say it was all home runs, like that's what this is, right? He yeah, also you look at his RBI numbers, and you look at yeah, but RBIs are also a kind of lesser stat because they're a stat of opportunity. So the teams that and Gloss was on those O2 Angels that won a World Series, I believe. Um, yep. so like he, it's not that he played for bad teams, but maybe he just didn't have the opportunity to drive in runs cause he's hitting behind guys like Jim Edmonds, you know, Garrett Anderson, those kind and of guys. Is, not to yeah. steal your thunder, but the RBI thing is kind of a trigger point for me because I think it could be a useful metric if they did things to it to make it right. So yeah, I mean, it stands to reason if people aren't on base in front of you, you're not going to rack up the RBIs, but at the same time. There is something to be had said for timely hitting 100%. and the clutch factor right. of I need to drive. In no, the I agree, so but that's also a stat do, of opportunity, which is they which should is create a stat. They should create a stat for expected RBIs and then the difference as a percentage that, for that makes sense. RBIs. But that's what. But they don't. That's what makes such a strong case for Scott Rowland because Scott Rowland had the exact same slugging percentage, right? With, you know, 60 or 55 more RBIs than Gloss did. A much higher fielding percentage. Like, the difference between 971 and 944 is significant. It's staggering, yeah. Like, that's, that's very significant. Even even 971 to 960, to me, is significant. It's, it's a big bump. Well, that's the, why he won six gold gloves. Right, it is. And and the, OB, the, the on-base percentage numbers, like... To me, that's a little bit skewed because Adrian Beltre is a very free swinger, and he was a very good contact guy. So he didn't draw many walks, so that's going to skew his on-base percentage numbers a little bit. Um, but that's part of the game. It, no, I. but that's also why, for consistency's sake and who can I rely on, 
I'm starting Scott Rowland over Adrian Beltre. You know, I'm hoping I'm in the American League and I can DH one of them and start the other one. But it may, maybe you can maybe you can tell me this because I don't know too much about Troy Gloss. But looking at it, just, I'm just assuming he took a ton of intentional walks. No, I, I like I'm looking at this. There should be a stat on Baseball Reference for that, but I. Like, Troy Gloss, if I remember him correctly, had a very long swing. Like, it was a home run swing. It was, but like... I'm just saying, so he has an on-base percentage over 100 points higher than his batting average. Right, right. That's a lot. It is, and, I mean, that goes into the fact that he was able to draw a walk. But his on-base percentage is also, like, lower than Roland's. And, I mean, you can't really say it's comparable, but it's not that much different than... Beltre's and so what Beltre offers in the other areas, give me that all day over Troy Gloss. Oh, um, for sure. I don't think it's close. But, I don't think the cutting is close. I think there's a clear cut. Yeah, and, but so like with Gloss, I think you there's there's a place and time for all or nothing hitters. Um, but his swing, just the way that he, the mechanics of his swing and how long it was, just kind of proved to have holes in it, which is evidenced by his. 250 batting average and a slugging percentage that is solely relying on home runs. I mean, Miguel Cabrera, right? We talk about him being one of the greatest right-handed hitters of our generation, maybe of all time, because his his swing is not really a home run swing. He generates that power, but his swing is a gap-to-gap swing. And his ability to drive the ball to right field um, and, and, and really boost that slugging percentage, and then he's going to run into one a lot more often than normal. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. so, so in this scenario, like, I think it's pretty clear cut that you cut gloss because the other two are just better offensively and defensively. Um, and then when you get down to the other two, like, give me the consistency of Scott Rowland, though he did miss more games. He was also older too, I think. And I, I would venture to say that those missed games probably came later in this decade than they did at the beginning of the decade. Um, he started his career in 96, so it's, you know, there's there's that factor as well. Give me the consistency of Scott Rowland and how good he was. Um, forgotten uh, in a lot of circles. Um, and then give me the free-swinging, able to run into one Adrian Beltre off the bench all day. Yeah, as far as missing, you know, a considerable amount of time, it was really just... Two seasons and ten years one, is really not... Yeah. It was really just one year. It was 2005. 2005, he only played 56 games for St. Louis. Okay. Other than that, he's 142 the year before, 142 the year after. He's in the 110s the two years after that. Yeah. So, you know, he definitely... So, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get injured in 2005, that 335 number is going way down. Like, probably closer to what Beltre played. Because Beltre, man, he, was a mach- he didn't miss a lot of time. Towards the end of his career, he no, he towards didn't. the end, and this is outside of this time range, but like he had like the hamstring issue and all that. But I also can't cut Beltre just because of his personality. Like I need that guy in the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in agreement on the cut. It's definitely you know it it is Troy Gloss in this one. Um, you know, Ryan, is there another third baseman I should have picked from this decade instead of Troy Gloss to be in this mix? Brandon and outside of Chipper Jones and Alex Rodriguez. Brandon Inge. 
You, <laughs> no, Dante Bichette would have been earlier, like late 90s. Um, so, off the list that I took it from, your other options are David Wright. That could have been a good one. What about uh, Chipper Ramos? Jones? No, he, it not, no Ch- Chipper, Chipper Jones, Jones is the, is the top-tier third baseman in this decade. Him and Alex Rodriguez like are the top two. Yeah, but David Wright, Aramis Ramirez, no. Mike Lowell. Lowell could have been a good one. He's an interesting case study. Very quiet. Chavez would have been another one. I mean, there's a number of names on that list you could have chose. I'm trying to think. So a lot of the players I know, I don't know how much they played back then. <laughs> Like, I'm trying to think of, like, how old some of these guys The thing are. about Mike Lowell and the thing about uh, Eric Chavez is, like, they played in smaller markets. Like, Lowell was in Miami. Chavez was out in Oakland. So you don't, like, really get, like, a lot of the coverage. But they were, like, sneaky good, man. Chipper Jones was so good. He was so good. I, I loved that guy. Like, I... But... He didn't love you back. But... Asshole. <laughs> Someone, <sighs> I I didn't even care, man. He was like, he was that time. He was coming up at that time where, like, like I said, it was like ninety five, well, right? A Rod was still the. Well, yeah, he was rookie of the year ninety five. Right. A Rod was the primo. Then you have Chipper Jones, I guess. No, I I think I would have almost gone with Chipper over A Rod. What? When like did... as a player? No, it, it's tough because A Rod made the switch from shortstop yeah. to you know third base when he joined the Yankees. So you know ha- almost half the decade he's a shortstop, yeah. and the other. So his half third base is going to be down. I don't. Oh my god! I don't. I, I I'd have to see where his. Th- what about Evan Longoria? He's Ooh, later. That's a good pull. Yeah, he's later. He's like he's like maybe yeah, started oh six oh seven, maybe even later than yeah, that. He wouldn't have numbers oh, enough for this decade. So? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's that young, huh? Yeah, he's not. That's old. what. That's where I'm. That's where I'm having like a hard time here. Is trying to. You got to think. Like, we're talking twenty years ago, man. Like. Oh God, it's really so long. Crazy. Really you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, Evan Longoria's first year was two thousand eight. Yeah. He would really. He would have really hit like fit that though, right? Like in that kind of like in that range of players. See, I don't know. You talk about the early two thousand tens. Longoria's like probably a top tier third baseman. That will be a discussion for another. Yeah, it would have to be because that in the star bench. Guy. Like, <laughs> when did we when... will do the 2010s? <sighs> but yeah, I'm also starting Scott Rowland. I mean, I'm just going off of memory alone of that time period and who stands out more. And Scott Rowland as a defender yeah. stood out so, so damn much. So good. I mean, as well as being a clutch hitter as well and being involved in the offense for both Philly and St. Louis. But as a defender, he was just so nine seventy one. Like that's like minimal errors a year. Like for the amount of that, like that's like maybe three or did four years. Like, did you mention Eric Chavez? Yeah, he did. Yes, he he was out in so, Oakland at that time. So yeah, we will be saving the last part of this game show for next week. So one or the other will be played next week and. I'll give you guys an entire week to think on the process of what will be one or the other. Whose career would you rather have? A career like a Robert Ory or Steve Kerr, where you have won multiple titles, but you were never anywhere near the man on the team. Would you rather have a career like a Joe Dumars, who was a multiple title winner, a finals MVP, was much more integral in his team's success, but not on anyone's GOAT lists for his position, 
Or would you rather be someone like Charles Barkley, who is an MVP, is in the conversation for greatest power forward of all time, but has never won a title? Mm. So you all have one week to think on this process, and we will get to one or the other next week. Ryan, do the thing. Ooh. So make sure that you guys follow us on uh, wherever you find your podcast, which again, Podbean, you can find us at Sports Carnage on iTunes um, or Apple Podcasts is Sports Carnage. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Carnage Podcast and then YouTube as well, which is at Sports Carnage Podcast. Um, like, share, review, subscribe, and then shout out to uh, my cousin Nick and his wife Alicia who welcomed a beautiful baby girl in the world today mrs ivy um so they have a new daughter healthy happy all of that but uh, a a new griffin to to come in and wreak havoc on the world so i'm very excited congratulations and they welcomed her on the 28th which is the day that we are uh the day we are recording oh well congratulations to them for aj riley paul roshan ryan griffin i'm matt bass and we are sports carners thank you for spending another couple hours with us this week we'll be back with y'all next week